Welcome to the Weird Works Podcast. I'm Dr. Christy, your host. Join us for conversations about alternative and sometimes controversial healthcare topics. This podcast will provide the evidence that you need in order to make informed decisions about your health, to empower you with the facts that you need to advocate for your health, and to encourage you that there is hope your body heals. Join us from experts from all things weird, as well as the testimonies of people with stories of radical healing who were once told that perhaps their condition was a death sentence, that they would just need to live with it, or that drugs and invasive surgery were the only answer. Let's get into agreement that if there is something natural and non-invasive that could be helpful, that it could be your first option rather than your last resort. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Christy Harvell from Health by Design, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Elizabeth Fenton. She is the author of the book Chasing Cupcakes. This is a book that we have been reading as a practice together probably over the last month or so, and the subtitle is How One Broke Fat Girl Transformed Her Life and How You Can Too. So, Elizabeth, how are you? I am doing okay. It has been a it's been a season of life, but I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I found reading your book through the season of life was super helpful, actually. Any, like, positive affirmation quotes and just feel good, you know, I think it's super helpful. So yeah. that kind of leads me, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself in a second, but I think that it's important right off the bat for people to know that this isn't just a book on weight loss, is it? No, not at all. It really is about creating any change in your life at all, whether that's financial, whether it's business-related, relationship-related, absolutely anything. Yeah, I agree. I was happily surprised. So tell us your story. Tell us a little bit about you and your background and how this book came to be. Absolutely. I'll tell you, when I've been getting that question lately, I, it takes me a second. I'm so used to answering that question the way I have for the last several years, and life has changed so much in the last few months. Um, I, I don't feel like I've got a good answer for how things are right now, but the background is that I was the token fat kid in a thin family, and while if left on alone, things probably would have worked out just fine. I probably would have grown out of it and this, that, and the other, but my mom really felt from a very young age that my weight was a reflection on her as a parent. And because of that, there was a tremendous amount of pressure in my family on me to lose weight, which resulted in a lot of sneaking food from a real early age, like four or five years old sneaking food. And then that kind of binge restrict cycle happened because of how things were in my home. And it was a learned behavior that just got worse over time. And as I got heavier and heavier at my heaviest, I was over 350 pounds. I wanted weight loss more than anything. And yet I was the only thing in my own way. I would have sworn upside down, inside out and sideways that all I wanted more than anything was to to lose weight and get that under control. And then maybe 20 minutes later, I would be overeating and overindulging. And that cycle frustrated me so much. And I was sure that if I could just learn more, it would change everything. And I studied nutrition and biochemistry in college because I was just 100% positive that once I figured that out, the science of it, everything would get better. And it didn't. I got heavier and it got worse. And it wasn't until I realized that all of my challenges and struggles with food and with weight were related to mindset 
and how I was thinking about food and how I was thinking about myself and how I was thinking as I made choices. It wasn't until I learned that that I was able to really change everything and change my financial life, change my relationship with food, change my health, start a business. And more recently, you know, then I wrote Chasing Cupcakes. I started my podcast, Primal Potential. Um, in the last year or so, I was super excited to start a family. I got pregnant with our first child and that was just such a new adventure. And very unexpectedly, our daughter died at two weeks old just a few months ago. And now it's like a new chapter and a whole new way to apply these lessons. And I find that even though this season of life is by far the hardest and the most unexpected and the most devastating, I'm using the very same tools that I have used with food, that I have used with finances, the tools that are all around mindset to navigate this new season that is, um, that is the hardest for sure. Yeah. So that's a lot. I didn't, I'm sorry to hear that about your daughter. I didn't know that prior to coming on the podcast with you, but that's incredible that you had the tools, you know, were able to dig down into that toolbox to be able to get through that with, you know, the same concepts that you wrote in the book. So yeah. that's incredible. I love what you say about mindset because I think there's a lot of books out there and some of them say you've got to start, you know, every belief system starts with your mind. That's an, it's an agreeable concept, right? Like it all starts with a thought, right? Yeah. Or an intention. So talk a little bit more about that. So I think it was really interesting because you talk in the book about imposter syndrome and you talked about being overweight and finding yourself in the nutrition world trying to give people advice about it. You want to talk a little bit because I think that a lot of our listeners have probably felt that way before. Yeah, you know, I, I lived that because at my heaviest, again, over 350 pounds and I'm only 5'5", five, 5'4", five, five, I was in a position where I was talking to people about nutrition all day long and it felt very uncomfortable. But what I had to do was instead of judging where I was at, give my energy to the day that I was in. Because I really believe that fundamentally, we can either give our energy to the problem or to the solution, but it can't be both. And so as I experienced these moments where I felt like a fraud and I felt like everyone was looking at me, I was very much giving my energy to the problem. I wasn't giving it to the solution. And even now, when I catch myself in moments where I'm kind of spinning on the problem and how I feel about the problem and all the different facets of the problem, I remind myself that I get to use that energy however I choose and I choose to use it in the solution. So if I don't like the way that I look or the way that I feel, my energy is best spent creating that change. And that's gonna be true in every single area of life. There are times when I'm not happy with where my relationship is. Well, I can either use my energy to think about how I feel and be in my emotions about where things are and how they're different from what I would want them to be, or I can use that energy to create change. Same thing now. I mean, I'm a few months postpartum and the last few months at losing the pregnancy weight has been the last thing on my mind because we lost our daughter, you know? And when I have moments, and I absolutely have them where I'm like, I don't like my legs, or I don't like my arms, or my rings are tight, or whatever. Again, I can use that energy to participate in the problem, 
or I can use that energy to participate in the solution. And very few things in life are binary, but that one is. We're either investing in the problem or we're investing in the solution. And it's not a one and done kind of thing. It's not, oh, well, I know this now, so poof, problem solved. This is something we have to remind ourselves of over and over and over. Yeah, it's a lifelong lesson, right? Because it takes practice like anything, right? It does. How would people know if they're participating in the problem or the solution? Are there some like keywords or phrases or things that we say to ourselves? Could you give us some examples? I really think that it's the simplest thing. What am I focused on? The problem or the solution? That right there, we're going to know. It's not complicated. This is, of all the things that are tough to figure out, if you're giving your energy to the problem or the solution isn't one of them. You know, just that simple pause to question, what am I focused on? Right now, as I sit here and worry, or as I sit here and beat myself up because of what I just ate, or how I look, or how I feel, or anything else, is that actually related to creating the change I want? Or is it just the problem? And in the book, I write about the phases of sensing, seeking, settling, and solving. And all of the questions in that chapter would be perfect for this kinds of thing. Am I in my feelings about this, right? Because if I'm in my feelings about it, I'm not in action. Am I searching for solutions? That's not the same thing as taking action to create change. So that particular chapter of customer service as an inside job is a, is a packed full of questions that would be really helpful there. Yeah, I think I highlighted the whole chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah, good. Over and over again, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because the whole thing is, the whole concept is that change is uncomfortable, right? At some point, there has to be a tipping point where your desire to create change is stronger than your desire to hold on to the past or your old way of thinking or your old habits, right? You know, for me, it has to be more micro than that. I really, like, while that would be amazing, generally speaking, I would have told you what my heaviest, of course, my desire to be fit is greater than my desire to eat Mexican food and ice cream, but my actions didn't back that up. So I think a lot of people get lost in the big picture, the macro of it. I want this more than that. And yet, why am I having trouble living that out? Why am I having trouble putting that into action moment after small moment? And I think that comes down to being a lot more granular, being a lot more singular and focused. So instead of for me personally, instead of for me saying, I want to be healthy more than I want to overeat, I'll say, what can I do to demonstrate that today? What does that look like in action just for today? Because for a lot of my clients, and certainly for me for a lot of my life, it felt way too overwhelming to think about the big picture as a whole. I am someone who takes impeccable care of my body all the time. That felt intimidating. I didn't have the trust. But what was transformative was focusing just on this day. For this single day, I am able and willing to. Or even sometimes, I would just focus on two hours at a time, one hour at a time, three hours, an afternoon, an evening. But I work with my clients to break it down from the big picture, identity-based to practical in this day. And we build trust over time. And then we can maybe get a little bit more macro, but often 
It just requires that we focus exclusively on the day we're in. I love that. That was actually flowed really great into the next question because you talk a lot about change can happen right now. It doesn't have to be down the road or a week from now, right? Mm -hmm. Every moment is an opportunity to create some kind of change. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, okay, so I wanted to say a couple of lines. Like I said, I probably highlighted the whole entire book. But we talk about your story, like we tell our story. I think like a lot of healers and people that are called to be in alternative healthcare, have an alternative type of a mindset, um, have their own story that led them to want to help others and maybe help people like fast track their success. But here's some things that you wrote in the book that are, are, are people's potential story. I'm a good starter, but I never finish. I'm, I'm an emotional eater. I have no self-control. I'm not motivated. Or I blew it today, so tomorrow doesn't matter either. So you want to talk a little bit about the power of your words and thoughts? I think that everything begins with belief. We will live up to our expectations. If we keep telling ourselves that we are an emotional eater, we've basically given ourselves permission. It is not only descriptive, it's prescriptive. We are prescribing that behavior to ourselves and we're giving our conscious and our subconscious mind an instruction. Now, where a lot of people feel stuck with that is, but I am an emotional eater. I have been for the last 20 years. And my response to that is always, where you've been isn't what you are capable of. So what I want you to focus on is what you want to create for today instead of where you've been. Now I've got a good 30 years of being an emotional eater and I'm in the most emotional and traumatic season of my life. But what I tell myself is I'm whatever I choose today. So who do I want to be today? How do I want to be today? What would it take to go to bed feeling proud today? Or I'll say to myself, just for today, I'm gonna sit with these emotions and I don't have to respond to them. I don't have to act on them. And that desire to act when we're stressed, when we're overwhelmed, when we're disappointed in ourselves, really reflects that we're not comfortable being with that emotion. And so that's something we can practice. But more than that, differentiating between where you've been and what is possible for you. For as long as you limit what is possible today or tomorrow or for the next rest of your life, as long as you limit that by where you've been, you are refusing to open yourself up to something new. So I always tell people that past does not have to be the preface. You know, you get a book and the preface is kind of setting the stage. It's the beginning. We don't have to use our past as the preface for where we are today. And that's a pattern that I'm always trying to help my clients break. That's awesome. Okay, so I'm just going to give you a couple more of my favorite quotes from the book and let you kind of expand on it because I think this is really valuable information. And I think that you're doing a great job presenting it in a way that is unique which is awesome because people are stuck. So they need something different than what they've currently heard or worked through before. Yeah. Okay. So you talk about, um, in just about promoting change, be more, do more versus eliminating drag in your life or letting go of what no longer serves me. So you want to speak on that? We all know what doesn't work. 
We all know what doesn't work. And when we can identify excuses or exceptions as strategies that don't work, we can at least be more honest in that conversation. Because for the longest time, I was just going with these patterns and these thoughts and these excuses and exceptions and doubts and delays because they were like the hall pass that I knew would work every single time, right? Just like if a kid wants to get out of the classroom, they just have to say, I have to go to the bathroom. That's the line that works every single time. And we have those with ourselves too. What my emphasis is in my own life and with my clients is, let's just tell the whole truth. It doesn't necessarily become untrue that you're stressed and overwhelmed, but there's more to the story than that. Sometimes I'm so stressed is all that you need to hear to justify going through the drive through or having that dark chocolate or saying yes to ice cream, but we're not telling the entire story. What was true for me is if I eat when I'm stressed, if I overeat, if I binge, if I overindulge when I'm stressed, I actually feel more stressed afterwards. There's a moment of suspension. There's a moment of distraction where maybe I don't feel much at all, but feeling nothing isn't the same as feeling better. So I got in the practice of being more honest. Yeah, I'm overwhelmed, but the problem is related to work. Therefore, the solution doesn't have anything to do with food. There's nothing about food that addresses stress that is coming from work. And so we just work through telling the whole truth instead of a familiar or an emotional fragment of the truth. Yeah, I love that. Then you talked about being a good question asker, and that might help break some of those self-limiting patterns or beliefs. So what's an example of some of those questions? Is that kind of what you were just talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Or even like, what else is true? Yeah. If you're saying to yourself, oh, I'm so emotional, I can't even, I'm so stressed out, it's been such a day. Well, what else is true? Yeah. What else is true is that I want to feel amazing when I go to bed tonight. What else is true is I've woken up enough mornings feeling disappointed in myself. I have no desire to feel that way tomorrow. What else is true is that I always acknowledge that this is not worth it. What else is true is that I have goals. What else is true is that I want to be a different version of me. So that kind of, that's why the whole theme of the book is questions, because if we can just become a better thinker, we become a better decision maker. It's not about needing to be told what to eat or what not to eat or the right diet or anything like that because the problem isn't that we don't know what to do, it's that we don't hold ourselves accountable to doing it. And to make that shift, we have to upgrade the way that we think. Agreed. We hear that all the time. Like people come in to us and they're like, well, I know what I, I know what I should eat. I know what I should be doing, but I'm not. And I'm like, okay, well, and that's the accountability and the coaching. So sometimes I call myself Dr. Obvious. I don't know that we're telling people anything like incredibly new, but it's that handholding and breaking it down into pieces and steps for people as well. But yeah, people do know what to do. You are intelligent. People are smart consumers. Yeah. Is that fall into what you were talking about? Um, like the you don't give the future or the past a vote. Yeah, I think that can be a part of it. To me, that comes into play more when it's like, I've been so good, I deserve it, or I'll start tomorrow. When, when I'm talking about that, what I mean is yesterday and tomorrow don't have anything to do with it. We make decisions based on today, based on what we want for today based on what will make us proud for today based on what our goals are for today but ending that pattern of 
I'm going to start tomorrow or Monday or when the kids go back to school or I've been so good or I already blew it, leaving the past and the future out of the decision-making process. So those past and present, past and future, excuse me, is really like a way that we justify our actions to ourselves, right? Yeah, it goes back to that hall pass. It's convenient. We use it because it works. But as we become a better thinker, as we elevate the way we make decisions, then we can see, well, doing better tomorrow has nothing to do with the choices that I make today or the fact that, you know, I ate really well yesterday has nothing to do with whether or not I should today. That is a result of being a better thinker. Right. I love that. Because we can all control our thoughts. 100%. So I know you coach other people, and we're talking about that accountability factor and that, but do you feel like you had to figure this out on your own, like you went through this journey by yourself? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I didn't have podcasts. I didn't have all of the free resources. We didn't have influencers or, or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. And also, even if there was, I think I was really in denial to a large extent about what my problem was. I think I would have been like so many people are drawn to information about the latest diet craze or what superfoods I should be getting. And I had to struggle my way to realizing that it wasn't about the food. It was really about the way that I was navigating my decisions with the frequency of excuses and exceptions and letting myself off the hook. And that's what had to change. And, and now when I'm working with clients, like I want to share what I know and I want to give them tools. But when people say to me like, oh, I, want, I want to work with you because I want you to keep me accountable. I always say, I won't. I won't because I don't want you to depend on me. I want to teach you how to be accountable to yourself. And that is like a real hot button for me because I've had times where I was accountable to somebody else, but the issue was forever and ever and ever that I wasn't accountable to me, that I didn't keep the promises I made to myself. And I think that is one of the, the necessary skills to, to trust yourself enough to know that you are going to get results and keep them forever. Yeah, and that's empowering, you know, that you're giving totally. tools forever because what happens when you go away or you get to the last chapter of the book if they haven't figured out how to exactly. maintain this? Right, so that goes into like, you know, in healthcare, we try to get people into a maintenance phase of care. So really, like, you're trying to do the same thing with their mindset is like a yeah. maintenance and wellness phase of care. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just kind of going back to that, like, you know, what, you, what it took to get to where you are today in the journey. Like you quote a ton of other authors. So of course you've read so much material. I see like all the bookshelf behind you and everything. Um, and I think that a lot of people can relate to that. You know, it's that analysis paralysis. I like when you talked earlier um, in the book about um, is what you're doing moving you towards your goals. And so just listening to books or podcasts isn't really creating change like it might pacify you or make you feel good but you're really just gathering information and not doing anything about it right yep absolutely that's why if i read something that i like i either do something with it right away or i put it in my calendar so that i know that tomorrow i am or that this evening i am and and that's always my goal with a book is if i can get one thing that i'm going to eventually turn into a habit 
that's where it's all at. Otherwise, I'm just entertaining myself, which is fine. There are certainly worse ways to entertain ourselves, but I'm not reading for the sake of entertainment. I'm reading for the sake of becoming a better version of myself. Yeah, I love that because you have to put it into action. That's the thing. You can gather information sometimes for a lifetime or for decades, but it's not moving you along a traje trajectory. Absolutely. And that really goes hand in hand. Like what we hear patients, like I want to say the most common thing that like a new patient coming into our office tells me is that, that like they've been everywhere else. They put a lot of time and money and effort into mm -hmm. researching or even going to different practitioners or maybe into different coaching, you know, or try to lead themselves on uh, different cleanse programs and that kind of stuff. So it's like, it's not like they weren't willing to do the things, you know, or they weren't willing to invest the time, money and effort but the, once they get to us, they really haven't gotten the results that they would expect for that level of investment that they've put into it. So do you find the same, like, you know, when people get to you, they're kind of like in a lost, like lack of hopeful type of a place? Yeah, a lot of people are frustrated and they don't trust themselves, which to me is just reflective of the fact that so many of us are spending our time and our money on things that aren't actually giving us the tools that we need. Because as I see it, the tool that we need is to elevate our thinking. The tool that we need is to become a better decision maker. The tool that we need is to be committed to being more honest with ourselves as we make decisions and as we think things through. And most programs aren't delivering that. Yeah, I can totally see that. People, I mean, there's so many self-help tools out there, but people aren't getting to the root cause. And that's a big thing in alternative medicine that people, they really want to get to the underlying root of the problem. They're tired of a band-aid. They're tired of just managing the symptoms of whatever. So even though you aren't talking about a medical condition, you still can very much treat your, you know, your, your mental awareness and the ability to make change on a band-aid temporary type of fashion, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think is cool. I think that that goes really hand in hand with what we talk about is, you know, get to the root cause and fix it for once and for all. And then give them the tools to be able to do it long term for themselves. I think that's, yeah. I think that's great. Okay. Well, we probably could talk forever because I think we have a lot of things in common, but I do appreciate the chat today. I think that you were able to present the information um, definitely in a more eye-opening type of a way. I like that breaking it down into the micro steps and micro thinking. It seems more manageable for people to kind of confront some of these bigger issues like changing the diet or losing weight or something that they might have carried with them for a lifetime. Um, yeah. Tell everybody how, um, how can our listeners find you? What's next for Elizabeth Benton? Tell us. Yeah, so the easiest way is probably my podcast. It's called Primal Potential. We've got over 800 episodes everywhere you listen to podcasts. The book is called Chasing Cupcakes. Uh, social media, Instagram is really where I spend my time at Elizabeth Benton. Um, we've got some exciting things coming. I'm working on my second book, which has just been largely influenced by uh, the last few months and what's been going on uh, as we navigate having lost our daughter very unexpectedly. Um, and we've got our next 12 Weeks to Transformation coming up in the fall. So lots of good stuff happening. If you check out the podcast, you'll hear all about that. Thank you so much again. It was awesome to talk to you. I felt like I already knew you because you don't know this, but you've been in my car riding around with me in Jacksonville, Florida for like the last month. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. If anybody has any questions about the book or about anything at all, feel free to reach out to me. I respond to every email, every DM. 
Awesome. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Signing off in good health naturally. Bye.